now I have FOMO. I want to know what you guys were laughing about on the screen before, so I don't know, this is going to be very distracting. Don't worry. Don't worry. I know some of you are going to make a point of telling me when I'm done. Jesus said a lot of astonishing things when he was on this earth. And as you read through the accounts of the things that Jesus says, there's like these mind-blowing moments. I think one of the things that would be in my top five, maybe top three, and potentially even the most mind-blowing thing that Jesus said, of the many, many mind-blowing things that he said, was he said this, the person who trusts me will not only do what I'm doing, but even greater things. Because I'm on my way to the Father, I'm giving you the same work to do that I've been doing. You know, if it was hashtag goals, I'd probably settle for just something like, the person who trusts me will do a few of the things that I'm doing. Like, I'd be like, that's a good day. That's, I'm, I'm up for that. Jesus, in fact, he, no, he elevated that to another level. In fact, he went blue straight past the next level because the next level would be you can do the same things that I've been doing. No, blew straight past that and dropped this truth bomb that's like just that, that you and I will have the opportunity to do even greater things than Jesus did. Blows my mind. And in this When Pigs Fly series, we're asking the big question, do you believe in miracles? Because we do use the word miracles. I mentioned last week, we're coming into summer, despite the current weather (laughs) suggesting otherwise. And so you're going to see a lot of miracle promises for miracle products that are going to help you get that beach bod, turn the dad bod into a beach bod, you know, all that sort of good stuff. It's going to be a miracle because you're going to be able to eat the chocolate cake, but you can take the miracle pill. All good. We do use the word miracles, but what about these supernatural miracles? What about this idea that maybe, just maybe, there's a God in heaven who on some instances is willing and able to intervene in our lives to cause something that we can't explain happen? That's what we would think of as a miracle, but it really hangs on this question that is God actually willing and able? And we need to actually We need to get our heads around both of those things because we can think that he's able. Read the Bible, open at the front, work your way through the back. You'll see miracle after miracle after miracle. You see things about parting Red Sea. You'll see uh, food falling out of the sky. You'll see dead bones coming to life. You'll see see all these miracles. So there's a sense that, that, that we actually have a God who is able. But here we are in Perth in 2018. We've got to answer the second question. He may be able, but is he actually willing? So let me get real. Let me ask you to get super honest. I mean, you know, God's watching and everything. Let me ask you this question. I I literally want you to to put your hand up if the answer to this question is yes. Have you ever been prayed for or prayed for yourself or prayed for someone else who needed a miracle of healing And after praying, that miracle never showed up. Has anyone ever experienced that? Where you've prayed for someone or yourself for healing and it's never actually happened? Yeah? Okay. I sit before you as someone who believes with every fiber of my being that we serve a God who is both willing and able to heal. And yet, I also know because I've also prayed for people 
and they didn't get healed, that sometimes God doesn't actually heal. And full disclosure, that leaves me a little confused. And it would be easy for me to barrel through the next 20 minutes and give you all these stories of God healing this and Jesus healing that and somebody healing this and someone being healed over here. And then we get to pray for one another and we say, fantastic, we've done the healing thing. Off you go and we'll all live happily ever after. But I just feel that if that was the only message that we talked about with this week focusing on miracles of healing, that actually I'd be misleading you. That yes, I do believe with every fiber of my being that we serve and have a God who is willing and able to heal. And yet your experience and my experience, we know that he doesn't always heal. And probably like you, that leaves me a little confused. If you didn't need it, I'm going to give it to you anyway. I want to take you on a little historical flyover, starting with Paul. Paul was one of the leaders of the early church. Paul would, would launch new churches in large uh, port cities and capital cities around the known world at the time. And uh, so he would be traveling a lot, moving around a lot, and he'd keep in touch with the, the churches, and he built a lot of relationships as he did his travels. He would he'd keep in touch with them by way of letter. And we have uh, some of those letters today. We have access to them in the new part of the Bible. And here's some examples where healing was on the table where sickness and illness and disease was on the table. And Paul, one of the heavyweights of the early church, this is some of what he wrote in just part of this historical flyover. For example, he wrote to one of his mentors, a kid named Timothy. said to Timothy, go ahead and drink a little wine. <laughs> yes, that word little is highlighted very intentionally, people. Although the Bible says, uh, yeah, yeah, it says a little, all right. For instance, it's good for your digestion and good medicine for all that ails you. So again, this is before antibiotics, so probably I wouldn't write to you to go and drink booze if you're crook. I'd say go see the doctor and get a prescription. But anyway, my pastor said I can get drunk on Fridays. No, he did not. <laughs> but in this instance, Paul's actually saying, Timothy, you're sick, and I'm not even going to pray for you. I'm just going to say, drink some wine. Paul believed that God could heal him, but in this instance, he didn't get to it. Paul later wrote to Timothy and said to, uh, to Timothy had been leading a church that Paul had initially planted and, and uh, Paul gave some little sign off at the end of this second letter that he wrote to Timothy. He said, say hi to Priscilla and Aquila and also the family of someone starting with O and Erastus stayed behind in Corinth and I had to leave Trophimus sick in Miletus. Now again, here's this someone that was sick, Miletus, and Paul knew he was sick, but Paul left him whilst he remained sick. God could have healed my uh, Trophimus, but at least as far as this point in history, he didn't. And then Paul himself experienced something. And, and, and in Paul's explanation of this, there's something less than God's best. There's a few clues, doesn't answer everything, but there are a few clues as to why sometimes God might not actually heal us or heal us of everything or heal us in the time frame that we'd like to be healed. And so Paul's talking, writing to the church in Corinth. And he says, wrote to them and he's dealing with his issue. He says, so I wouldn't get a big head. There's a clue. I was given the gift of a handicap to keep me in constant touch with my limitations. That's the second clue. Satan's angel did his best to get me down. And what he in fact did was push me to my knees. Clue number three. 
No danger then of walking around high and mighty, repeating clue number one. At first, I didn't think of it as a gift, of it as a gift and I begged God to remove it. In fact, three times I begged God to remove it. And then he told me, nah. Of course God's Australian. Stupid question. My grace is enough. It's all you need. In fact, my strength comes into its own in your weakness. God can heal. God has healed. God will heal again. And yet, it seems to me that God doesn't always heal. And yes, that leaves me a little confused. <laughs> and it might be a little counterintuitive. Say, hey, everyone, come along. If you need healing, we're going to teach on healing. And bring your friends if they need healing. And all I've done in the first eight minutes is telling you that sometimes God doesn't heal. Really building faith here, people. We're climbing that mountain. But I'm doing this deliberately because, because you've, some of you have experienced it. You just put your hand up. And I want to assure you that you're not the first. And it's not just you that's prayed for someone or been prayed for or prayed for yourself. And God hasn't healed you. But just, before, just because God doesn't always heal all the time in the way we think he should and the timing we think he should is no reason to stop asking him to heal because God can, God has, and God will again. And please, let God decide. Don't say his no for him. Approach him, ask him. Pray for him. Join with someone else. Have them pray for you. If you need healing, we're going to give you an opportunity to pray and be prayed for this morning. Do not say God's no for him. Before we get to that, though, this historical flyover actually gets worse. Even Jesus didn't do some miracles. Jesus, y'all. Paul, okay, heavyweight. No, this is the man. This is son of God. This is the rose from the dead without anyone else helping him thing, guy, Jesus. And sometimes even he didn't do miracles. For example, he wouldn't do miracles if people were asking him to prove himself. The religious leaders, they're referred to often as the Pharisees and the Sadducees, they were Jewish religious leaders and they were, they were on Jesus again, pressing him to prove himself to them. And he told them, you have a saying that goes, red sky at night, sailors delight, red sky at morning, sailors take warning. You'll find it easy enough to forecast the weather. Why can't you read the signs of the times? An evil and wanton generation is always wanting signs and wonders. And the only sign you'll get is this Jonah sign. And then he turned on his heel and walked away. He could have proved himself, but he didn't. Jesus never did miracles where it actually interfered with God's ultimate plan because miracles are often actually short arc thinking, but God plays the long game. God's about ultimately restoring everything to his plans and his purposes and his perfection. So Jesus at this time had what we now call the Last Supper. They didn't call it the Last Supper. It's now called the Last Supper because it was his Last Supper and uh, had the Last Supper, and they went for an, uh, uh, an apres 
uh, dinner uh, walk through a garden and one of his 12 merry men had betrayed him and brought some Romans in and went and, 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 and by way of showing to the Romans which one Jesus was, kissed Jesus on the cheek. And then Peter, Peter's like, I freaking love Peter. Peter's like a wild child. Peter's like, man, ain't nobody gonna, gonna betray my Jesus. And Peter gets out a sword. I don't know what he was doing carrying around a sword, but he takes out this sword and whash, knocks off one of the Roman guard's ears, a guy named Malchus, down, gone. And uh, he's thinking, yeah, I'll show them. Come on, who's next? And Jesus said to him, put your sword back where it belongs. Don't you realize I'm actually able right now to call to my father and 12 companies, more if I want them, of fighting angels would be here, battle ready. But if I did that, how would you, how would the scriptures come true to say that this is the way it has to be, that Jesus was ultimately going to have to go to the cross to die so that you and I would never have to. Jesus could have prevented that, but he didn't. And then there was this time Jesus went back to his hometown. Now, Jesus grew up as a carpenter's son, and between the ages of 12 and 30, he would have been apprenticing for his dad as a carpenter. So here's this, this, this boy, Jesus the carpenter, comes back home to this little itty-bitty obscure town called Nazareth, and there would have been Cousin Billy and Auntie Susie and neighbor Jim, probably one of his former primary school teachers, someone that he did some carpentry for and did a pretty perfect job. And Jesus comes in there and they're not looking at him as Jesus, the son of God. They're looking at him as Jesus, this carpenter's son who went to that primary school who used to play soccer with my buddy, on a, my boy on a Saturday morning. And instead of Jesus' visit to his hometown, because they were unimpressed with him, that he wasn't able to do much of anything there. He laid hands on a few sick people and healed them, but that's all. And he couldn't get over their stubbornness. In fact, he ultimately, even though there was more miracles to be done, he walked away. And this last one, lack of faith, this is the one that judgy Christians will throw at you when you don't get healed. If you're currently experiencing something that you need healing for and you've had it for a while, this is the one that the, the judgy Christians will throw at you. Uh, must be a lack of faith. They don't say that. They sing, say things like, can I pray for your faith? And you're like, no, I'd just rather you prayed for my healing if that's really what you think the issue is. But you're, no. And in case you missed it, I don't really like judgy Christians. But you know what? Sometimes you judge yourself on this particular metric, that you've been carrying this healing around, I mean, this, this uh, sickness around, this ailment around, this thing that needs healing around. You've been carrying it around for some time. And maybe you've started to condemn yourself. Maybe there's something wrong with me. Maybe I don't have the faith. And you get caught in this death spiral. The good news is faith can grow. And the reason we're spending this time in this When Pigs Fly series is we wanting to take time as a church to build our faith that we serve and know and love and follow a God who is still both willing and able to perform miracles. 
Because the great news is Jesus actually did heal a lot of people. You read the four accounts that were written, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And there's, there's, there's at least 30 recorded instances, and big-brained Bible people will tell you that, the, that there's an in, for inference that, that there was actually even hundreds more miracles of healing that Jesus actually conducted that weren't ultimately recorded for us to read today. Jesus did a whole lot of healing. And then, once Jesus had gone, having made the promise to his church that those who believe in me, those who put their trust in me, you'll actually do even greater works than I did, that started to happen in the early church. For example, this guy Paul that I mentioned earlier, Paul was preaching one time. Paul was preaching and the message was so compelling, so popular that people were packing into this building that he was preaching in, crowding in, crowding in, crowding in. And for example, there was a kid named Eutychus. Eutychus was sitting, this, this place got so crowded, he couldn't get a seat, he couldn't get in. He actually climbed up and parked himself in the window of the third story just to listen to Paul. Well, here's what happened. Paul preached for so long that Eutychus fell out of the window, the third story window, and plummeted to his death. Now, listen very carefully, people. I have on a few occasions gone longer than my allocated time. But never, when I've been preaching, have I been responsible for somebody's death. Just keep that in perspective in future, all right? Judgy Christians. So, so there's, there's a crime scene. There's the, they're getting the chalk out. They're getting the yellow tape. They're putting out the police banners. There's this kid lying on the floor. Cause of death, sleep. Plus gravity. Plus long preaching. And Paul hears about this and he goes down to Eutychus and he actually lay on him and he breathed into him and Eutychus came back from the dead. Jesus did some raising people from the dead stuff. It was super cool. And then he left. And then the early church, that, that continued. So even though God doesn't heal all the time, he has, he can, and he will again. And I want to drop one of the stories of Jesus healing. Just one. I, 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 in fact, this is like picking your favorite child, this, which I know some days it's easier than others for you parents. But this one particularly stands out to me, and we've actually put it into our Elevate app. You can drop straight into that. Um, it's a story where a Roman captain or a Roman centurion, they were called centurions because they had com command over 100 uh, Roman soldiers, a Roman centurion um, approached Jesus uh, Jesus had a reputation of healing people. So again, remember, Jesus can, Jesus has, and Jesus will heal. Again, he had a reputation so much so that when this Roman captain heard that Jesus was coming, he associated Jesus with the willingness and ability to heal. And so he went to Jesus. Never met him before. Just heard the PR that Jesus was getting 
that he had the ability to heal, that he was willing and able to heal. Matthew records the story this way. As Jesus entered the village of Capernaum, a Roman captain, a Roman centurion came up in a panic and said, Master, my servant is sick. He can't walk. He's in terrible pain. And Jesus said, I'll come and heal him, which is, that sounds about right. And the centurion said, no, no, said the captain, I don't want to put you to all that trouble. It's the real humility coming from a guy with some power. Just give the order and my servant will be fine. I'm a man who takes orders and gives orders and I'll tell one soldier go and he goes and another come and he comes and to my slave do this and he does it. And taken aback, Jesus said, I've yet to come across this kind of simple trust in all of Israel. And Jesus turned to the captain and said, go. What you believed would happen has happened. And at that moment, his servant became well. Jesus doesn't even need to be physically in the room for healing to take place because Jesus has the ultimate authority over everything. And so this morning, those of you that need healing, in a few minutes, we're gonna give you the opportunity to pray for yourself and even to be prayed for, for us to join our faith with your faith, wherever your faith's at. And not say God's no for him. And understand that Jesus has authority over whatever it is that you need healing from. Before we do that, I wanna share with you a slice of one of our friend Angie's, slice of her story. How about you check this out? I was born with cystic fibrosis. It's a genetic disease. I wasn't diagnosed uh, when I was born. It was actually three years later um, that um, after many colds, flus, chest infections, and generally just not putting on weight. Um, and my, after my parents had visited many doctors, they were able to find a doctor that could send me off for a sweat test, um, which measures how much salt uh, you sweat out. And if you are over a certain percentage, then you are usually diagnosed with cystic fibrosis. I joined the clinic at um, Princess Margaret Hospital and had ongoing care and management at home for um, medications. Mum and Dad had to learn how to uh, do physiotherapy on me to um, clear my lungs of any mucus. As I entered into teenage years, um, my visits into hospital were starting to get um, more frequent. So. Uh, still on intravenous antibiotics and physio and making sure I eat lots of uh, fatty foods to keep on, keep on that weight, uh, which at the time I actually thought was awesome, you know, I could eat what I wanted, uh, not have to worry about that, but also um, keep up with good exercise as well to keep those lungs moving. I became a Christian when I was 18, so it was, you know, such wonderful things happening at the time as well as not so good with getting um, worse with chest infections and I'm talking uh, up to six weeks at a time in hospital, um, sometimes five times a year, so it was, it was quite often. We got married um, back in 2004 um, to lovely Tim. We moved to Boddington um, so Tim could achieve his permanency, teaching permanency, and um, 
I found that my health really went down um, quite a bit um, in that um, time that we were in Boddington for two years and that's when transplant was becoming more of a, a realisation as in um, both lungs needed to go and be replaced. Talking to other lung transplant recipients and even other organ recipients um, I, I must I thank my faith that they these people seem to have a, quite a fear of, of dying and a fear of yeah not going in for their operation and not coming out again and I never felt that was something that would happen to me um, I believe that was God supporting me went on the transplant list um, and you never know how many people are on there um, it's not about that it's not about a a race to see who gets the organs first because there's so much matching that has to be done in terms of um, blood types, for example, and other diseases that, or, or viruses that the, um, the organ donors might have had in their life. So 10 months after I'd gone onto the waiting list, a friend of mine, he was a, a gentleman in his 60s, exactly the same scenario as myself with cystic fibrosis, um, he got transplanted. And, um, you know, I'd been sort of thinking, I'm not ready to have the big surgery yet. All those 10 months until the day before when I heard the great news that he had gone through surgery and he was fine. And I thought, oh gee, I wish it was, I'm ready, I'm ready. That's exactly how I felt. And 24 hours later, I got the call. We went in at about midnight and um, uh, by 5 o'clock, 5am, um, I was given some sleeping tablets just to sort of get calm and yeah, there were complications during the surgery um, which, you know, the doctor said to me they can only prepare so much, they can only go by what, you know, shows them on the scans. My lungs were, I had a 14 and a half hour operation and I don't know what the average is, but I've been told that's extremely long. Um, I nearly died on the table, um, so they had to um, administer, um, I had to go, I had to have a machine to breathe for me, basically. It's not always needed for patients, even when they're having one lung out, you can still breathe with the other one. Um, but yeah, they had to completely um, attach my, my bodily systems to a machine um, in order for me to breathe and what they'd found was that after many years of infections in my lungs um, my lungs were just falling apart and um, Tim was and and the rest of my family uh, were saying you know it was touch and go and they were praying and th they were told maybe not to expect me to wake up and I really felt that during during the surgery, during that night, I know that God was with me and um, the best way that I can explain it in, in our human terms is like when you're dropping your car off at the mechanics and you go and sit in the waiting room and have your dodgy coffee or dodgy tea, um, that's exactly how it, I can explain that. Um, I felt like Jesus was sitting next to me having a dodgy coffee and, and my body was like the car in the workshop. Um, and Tim had a, an amazing dream that night as well with me holding Jesus' hand. So, you know, I just think, wow, that gives me tingles thinking about it um, 10 years later because it's absolutely true. This is absolutely what happened. I never doubted not coming back and, and being, you know, living my life to the full, having that second chance and living it to the full. On paper, I, I still have cystic fibrosis. I've had a lung transplant. 
but my goodness, what God has done, what God is doing through health professionals, um, through, through myself and my outlook and how I live my life and how I manage my life. Um, yeah, it, this truly is a second chance and I really have been healed. There's Angie sitting right there this morning. It's phenomenal. In a moment, we're going to give you an opportunity to, we're going to have a few of our crew at the front, and you can come forward if you want them to join their faith with yours. Pray for something that you might, and by the way, you, whatever miracle, it might be healing, it might be something else that you think, I need a miracle in that. Whatever it is, some of our team are going to be available for you to come forward and, and pray for them. Uh, we've got this, uh, hard to miss. Uh, we just call that our miracle tree. And over these four weeks through this series, we've got some leaves. And the idea is just for you, uh, if you want to, just approach that tree and grab a pen and grab one of the leaves and just maybe write out a prayer. Or, or if you experienced a miracle, write that out and say, thank God for this, my, my actual prayers have been answered. And hang that on the tree. And we just want to see faith grow and prayers grow and also miracles uh, become more normal. Before we do, let me just insert one very important thing into the story. Angie got healed. She knows she got healed. She just told you she got healed. She's sitting here because she got healed. And the medical community were a part of that. And there's a mistake that we can make to think that the only way God heals is by His magic wand. That God's some sort of supernatural vending machine and we just, all we need to do is push the button and boom, out comes the answer to prayer. The reality is that sometimes God just does something, bam, abracadabra, the genie comes out of the bottle and the prayer gets answered. And we love that. And don't ever crop yourself out of that becoming your experience. But that's not the only way God works. That's not the only way God produces miracles. Do you know God actually works through doctors to heal people? You know, God actually works through some of your better choices to heal you. Some of you might pray for healing and God says to you, yeah, stop doing that and start doing this. There's your answer. And you go, what? You mean I need to take some personal responsibility? What? It's like, yeah, sometimes actually you're the one that dug yourself into this hole and so you need to make some changes because if I zap you and bring you out of the hole in a year's time, you're going to have slidden right back into that hole sometimes. But here's what I know about God and the way He does miracles, is He asks us to do everything we know to do and to commit everything and submit everything to His authority. And those two things working together, sometimes the pendulum swings and it's almost all or sometimes all about God doing the zap. And sometimes it's, it's actually mostly about us making some changes. And then everything else forms somewhere in the middle. Either way, I'll take it, and I'll thank God, and I'll thank God for you, and I want you to put yourself in that place this morning. So in a moment, the team's going to play a song. We can, I just want you, if you need to, come forward, have our team pray with you. If you've, never, if you've never done that before, you know, maybe you've never been part of a church, that's cool. These are trusted people. We don't just ask, you know, first four to the front. Uh, these are people we've handpicked and we trust them and they actually have some experience in this and they're not gonna get creepy and they probably won't spit on you. They're just gonna be about, they've got some faith and you bring whatever faith you've got and just share with them whatever you're comfortable sharing about your 
thing you need the miracle for, and they'll confidentially pray with you in that space. And or go to our miracle tree and write out a prayer or write out a miracle. And you can keep those anonymous and they're, they're staying on the tree. Um, and we're just going to sing and, and keep praying just for these next few minutes. And often this movement of coming forward and going to the tree, when we read, you read a, about a lot of Jesus' miracles, there was often a, a response required. And I don't know why or how, but somehow and sometimes that, that actual act of not just sitting there, oh yeah, you know, it's a miracle, God. But actually moving, something just, I don't know, just seems to unlock faith somehow. So how about we kick it up? Team, come forward. And just, at, you're going to be three, four minutes. Just come on down. If you want them to pray for you, go to our tree if that's your thing. Or you can do both. And then we'll just take things from there.